0: Think about those words as far as east is from the west. Jesus made every effort. He really made every effort, especially in the Gospel of Luke, to help translate kingdom things into a way that uh, humankind could wrap their mind around. But wrap your mind around this as we begin today as far as east is from the west, is still a bound version of what Jesus can and will do. It is still something so beyond the scope of what you can fathom. And we we teach our children to help them understand that God doesn't choose north and south because they're, they're Poles, Right? You can stop going north and eventually go south. You can stop going south and eventually go north. You can never stop going east or west. So the idea there is that it is eternal. But even in that, we're still bound by the idea of the circle, of the ring, of the revolution. We don't understand what boundless really means. We don't understand what authority really means, what power really means. And and we get tripped up In our humanity, we get tripped up in our need to understand and to explain all of the things, all right? Things that we can wrap our mind around, things that we can see with our own eyes, things that we can touch with our own hands, right? And even the most doubting needed to put his finger in the holes needed to put his hand in the side in order to believe yet he saw him and we run into a place today all right and it is Again, probably the most odd place to be for, for Christmas, but this is where God has us. And what we run into is the crowds coming around Jesus because of all the things that He is doing. There have been signs. There have been wonders. He has just healed the the, 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 the deaf mute, right? And, and And people saw this and then they beg for more. Show me more. Do miracles more. I will buy in if there's just a little bit more. Don't we do that? Don't all of us do that? I am so sold on Jesus when it feels good. I'm so sold on Jesus when it's easy because everybody around me. I'm so sold on Jesus when I've been fired up by 400 other teenagers. I'm so sold on Jesus when my life is not difficult, when I'm not uh, dealing with a sick relative or spending my Christmas morning in the emergency room, when things are easier. This is the way God intended, and that's never promised in the Scripture. And even the most Bible-oriented, even the most religious, even the most church-going people ran into this problem. And what we run into today is Jesus saying, I, catch this, I showed up and it wasn't enough. Think about the magnitude of what I just said. Jesus is looking out at these people, begging for another lame person to walk or another uh, kid with, with some disease to be healed or another water to be der- turned into wine. And the creator of the universe said, I came down. You can see me, right? And that wasn't enough. And listen. Listen. Jesus doesn't necessarily get impatient the way we understand impatience. He still is man, so he feels impatience. He understands pain. We know that he wept. We know that he experienced righteous anger in the temple, right? But at the same time, he has to acknowledge that he's dealing with human beings, and we have that in this passage today. All right? And as the crowds increased, as people start coming around, both the righteous and the unrighteous, both the Jews and the Gentiles, Jesus takes this opportunity to go, hey, it's not all miracles and, 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 and sprinkles, right? It's not all. It. Luke chapter 11, verse 29. As the crowds increased, Jesus said, this is a wicked generation. <laughs> not the introduction we're looking for if you want to fall in love with Jesus and not what anybody would typically preach if you have the crowds of non-Christmas folks. The good news is we don't have lots of those. Not Non-church folks coming in at Christmas time. We don't have a lot of this. But he starts this way anyway. Hey, this is a wicked generation. Now, would anybody in church today... Raise your hand and say, Craig, you know, I think this is wrong. Our generation today is completely righteous. We've got it all together, and there is no wickedness among us. Can anybody say that? Okay, this is a wicked generation. It asks for a sign. All right, translated in the Clay Revised Version, prove it. Preston Clay, one of his lines, prove it. That's what everybody's running up to. I heard about Jesus. Prove it. That's what that, that's what's happening right now. Jesus, uh, you say you're God. Prove it. Do something special. Again, do something special. Again. It asks for a sign, but none will be given, strange, except the sign of Jonah. None will be given except the sign of Jonah. For as Jonah was a sign to the Ninevites, so the Son of Man is a sign to this generation. Jesus says, for all the things you think you need to see, seeing me ought to be enough. Bearing witness To me, for we were eyewitnesses of his majesty, said the disciples, ought to be enough. So what was the sign of Jonah? What was the sign of Jonah? It's as simple as this. A very common man. A very poor prophet at best, right? A guy who couldn't find his faith inside a paper bag, all right? Runs this way and that way and this way and that way, and finally realizes what everybody who's reading the story knows he can't run from God, is thrown off a ship, all right, into the ocean. The implication is that he sinks to the very bottom of the sea, and what we should have is a very dead Jonah. We do not have a very dead Jonah because a fish comes. Scoops him off the floor bottom. He lives inside the fish for three days and is spat back out on the shore incredibly and fully alive. So the dead, after three days, is alive. And what is Nineveh? The capital of the most ruthless, the capital of the most deadly, the capital city of one of the most horrific, all right, uh, uh, um, uh, countries, horrific uh, peoples. The, the Assyrians were atrocious, They were known for the awful nature in which they treated people, all right? They were the bad of the bad of the worst, okay? And this newly alive prophet walks into town with no signs, no things, but a a sermon of repentance. And that needed be enough. The queen of the south will rise at the judgment with the people of this generation and condemn them for she came from the ends of the earth to listen to Solomon's wisdom, all right? The queen of the south is a reference to an Old Testament queen that came and sat at the feet of Solomon, learned from the wisdom of the smartest wisest, most financially sound man that ever lived, the writer of Ecclesiastes, meaningless, meaningless, everything under the sun is meaningless. She sat in his wisdom and, listen, went back to tell the people, and now something greater than Solomon is here. You bear witness to a wisdom beyond the ages. You bear witness to a story that was already told to you. There will be one who will arrive There will be one who will be buried and gone for three days. There will be be one who comes to life and can save even the most wretched. You've had your sign. You've had your story. And I'm standing right in front of you. All that you need is right here. Why? Would you need something else? Because the problem is not then, was not then, is not today, and will not be next month, next year, or ten generations from now. The problem will never be Jesus. The problem will never be the person down the pew from you. The problem will never be that other guy in that other church at that other job in that other county. The problem will always be what Jesus has always said it has been. If anyone would be my disciple, they must deny themselves, take up their cross and follow me. When we ask for more, It is a slap in the face of the one who stands in front of us. As if there is some level of proof that he could provide for us that he is who he says he is. And every new request to prove himself is simply a statement that says, you're not enough. At what point do you love your spouse? At what point do you accept that your spouse loves you? What if there was a constant need for one member of the married part to provide some kind of proof every single minute of every single hour of every single day that they were never going to leave, that they were never going to shut down, that they were never going to walk away? What if you had to live your life constantly proving yourself? Now, I believe we ought to do things for one another, and God has done for us. But at what point are we saying to him, it will never be enough? We talked last week about the fact that there will never be enough. God didn't set it up that way. To give you enough takes away faith. To give you enough takes away faith. This is why Jesus said, O ye of little faith. The men of Nineveh will stand up at the judgment with this generation and condemn it. He just threw a a really hard punch. In my generation on the Nintendo, we called that mighty blow. All right, remember that? Mighty blow, mighty blow. Well, Jesus just did mighty blow, all right? He said, if you, the Ninevites who could not see me, repented, and I stand here before you, and you choose to simply say, a little more and I'll get in, a little more and I'll get in, a little more and I'll be all in, the Ninevites will stand in judgment over you. They repented at the preaching of Jonah, but now something even greater than Jonah is here. You are eyewitnesses of more than you can ever imagine. What more do you need? And then, in the strangest of stories, he mixes something from Matthew, something from earlier in Luke, and one of the hardest single texts to to theologically play out but you can't theologically play it out on its own. It falls into what he's trying to teach. Remember, with parables, Jesus is trying to teach something. So even though it's literal, it is not literal in its teaching. That's why people struggle here. No one lights a lamp and puts it in a place where it will be hidden. All right. First, people, you have to understand what it is that you have. You have to understand what it is that has come to you. If you knew what it was that you had, hiding it would not be an issue. And if you understood it, that would help even more. Because light is not just about looking at light. When you unhinge a light, all right, when you, when you, if you have a light on and you pull the bucket out from under it, the idea there is not that you stare right at the light. Nobody does that. It's not about the light. It's about what the light brings. The light allows you to see and experience and understand and deal with and navigate everything else in the place. And when you really grasp Jesus and his authority and his power and his love for you and his boundlessness and his sound teaching and his wisdom. I can assure you that navigating any world and any culture and any problem and anything that you run into will be like seeing in a lighted room versus walking through a dark room. It is that drastic. Jesus says, You have no idea what you have. And even if you did, You don't understand it. The light shines in the... And the darkness, it's like this thing was written to go together. You don't hide it or put it in a bowl. You put it on a stand. Why? So that those who come may see the light not for the light's sake, but for what the light brings. Your eye is the lamp of the body. This is where Jesus points out the problem. When your eyes are healthy, your body is full of light. But when they are unhealthy, your body is full of darkness. Okay, if you are blind, Or if you close your eyes and you can no longer experience the light. Here's the question. Does that mean the light doesn't exist? So the light can exist even if you can't see it. Let me use another word. Even if you can't comprehend it. Doesn't mean it's not there. So the problem then with the light getting where it needs to get is not with the light but with our ability to see it. You ready for this? Even light can get in the way of light. See, some of our problems are not that we're living in darkness. Some of our problems are not that we're rolling around in our sins. I bet most of our problems land right here. We're choosing alternate light. Would you rather see the stars in the country in a field or in the city downtown? Anybody? Country in a field. Why? What? Because you can see them, but, 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 but lights are like miles and miles and miles wide. Stars are huge, and, and they're brighter than you can fathom. Are you trying to tell me that a street light can get in the way of the majesty of the universe? You're darn tootin' it can. Anybody in this room got some things they see as light? Good things that are getting in the way of God. A lot of us aren't trading light for darkness. We're trading light for other lights. We're trading the love of Jesus for the love of a girlfriend or a boyfriend. We're trading the love of a father for the love of a child. We're trading uh, comfort and peace, knowing that he has taken care of us, for needing to get to that six-figure job or that seven-figure job or that eight-figure job, because that will make me more comfortable. That will give me peace. And Jesus said, I don't care if you're darkness, if you're semi-darkness, if you're the wrong lights. I've been preaching the same message from this time I started. In fact, the message started with the guy who came before me. John preached a baptism of what? Repentance. And until we're willing to turn away from the darkness in our lives and the wrong lights in our lives, we won't see the light and we won't understand it. And Jesus says, it is the darkness that does not understand it. Your body is also full of darkness. See to it then that the light within you is not darkness. I just explained how that happens. Wrong lights still lead To misunderstandings of God, which is here, the darkness that cannot comprehend all that Jesus is. So you continue to look for another sign, another sign. Therefore, if your whole body is full of light and no part of it is dark, it will be just as full of light when a lamp shines its light on you. When we realize that God made Him who had no sin become sin so that we might become His righteousness. When we fully empty who we are, when we are willing to deny self, take up our cross, be ready to die, when uh, uh, if a seed remain um, 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 remains uh, doesn't die, it remains only a single seed, but if it dies, it produces many seeds. When we finally learn that we must turn away from everything we think and everything we know and everything we as natural men desire and turn to Jesus and say, you are enough. Your cup will fill miraculously. It will run over and that light will shine not on you, but from within you. And then the world will know. And then the world will know. It's no coincidence that the the, the heavens lit up with the angel and the choir of heavenly hosts. It's, it's, It's no coincidence that there was a star over Bethlehem that shone light and, and, and pointed the way to Jesus. It's no coincidence that Jesus said the light shines in the darkness and the darkness cannot understand it. It's no coincidence that Jesus says I am the way, I am the truth, and I am the life, life in that case. But that life is the light of men. I know. Jesus is a lie, I, 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 I know. I know, better believe it. Melissa said something that I understood completely as we were having just a, you know, hello conversation before church today. She said, "I'm through all the stuff, but I still have a week." You know? And I know exactly what that means, exactly what that feels like, you know. Uh, I'm through the trips. I'm through the meals. I'm through the prepping the house. I'm through the, the <laughs> Sunday before Christmas and the Sunday after Christmas, you know. There will be a- an exhale for, from all of us come 1230 today. And it's like there's nothing necessarily that is expected of us for this, for this week in between Christmas and New Year's, right? It's, it's, it's one of those, it's one of those uh, built-in free, I know what that means. I get it. And Jesus says, I want you to get it all the time. Jesus says, that peace that you're looking forward to, that, that calm that this week gives you, that relaxing breath that you're about to take, I want to be that for you. I want to offer you shalom always. I want you to experience the peace that passes understanding always. I want you to say with authority, not my will but yours be done and know that greater is He that is in you and He that is in the world and know that we win. Know that God's plans cannot be thwarted. Know that He came and He lived and He understands. Know all the things and then you can't help pardon the way I put this, but be lit. You can't help it. And it's beyond anything you've ever imagined. So, my request to you this week, trying, understanding that kids are in the crowd and trying to get a hard passage into a short period of time. Listen, Jesus was kind, compassionate, considerate. But he was also forthcoming. He's about to take on... The, I had one more passage I was going to go to, but it fits more with what comes next. And what comes next is, is basically shame on you. That's, that's what comes next. Jesus has already started with, this is a depraved generation. He's already started with, why, 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 I'm standing right here, why do you miss it? You see me, right? Next week he goes to shame on you and tells us why. We're doing this. Tells us why Christmas isn't what it ought to be about anymore. Tells us why people only want to come and be a part of church twice a year, if that. The next two weeks is Jesus looking at the church folk and saying, shame on you for this and this and this. Repent and you will find this. This is all you need. So my prayer for you this Christmas is that your mind is not bound by religion, that your heart is not bound by uh, feelings, emotions, activities, occurrences, but that you may live in this peaceful week seeking and finding a living God. Seeking and finding a God who came from heaven to earth to show the way. Holding hands and asking all the questions of an Emmanuel, a God with us. And that in that, you both find fullness and hope, and you find some guilt, shame, and repentance. He can fix all that. But until we realize who we are, Peter, depart from me for I'm a sinner, the criminal on the cross. We don't deserve this. Remember me when you get into your kingdom until we're in his presence and realize his glory and our depravity. We can't find all that he is. I pray that you find that. And I know, water's wet, the sky's blue, women have secrets, and I know that you will find a peace you've never had before. I know it. A peace in your finances. A peace in your anxiety. A peace in your marriage. A peace in your family. A peace in your heart. The light can overcome the darkness. Open your eyes. God, remove the darkness and bring the light. Open the eyes of my heart. I want to see you. In Jesus' name, and amen.